We begin now in the name of our triune God, in the name in whose name we just sang, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Please be seated. The text for our sermon this morning is our epistle lesson, Ephesians chapter 1, that we heard earlier. In the movie Return of the Jedi, the final movie of the original Star Wars trilogy, Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader have one last lightsaber duel. After a flurry of blows, Luke cuts off Vader's hand and has him at his mercy. The evil emperor walks down a flight of stairs to the two combatants and tells Luke to fulfill his destiny. Luke is supposed to kill Lord Vader, the emperor says and assume his father's place at the emperor's side. But in this case, Luke doesn't fulfill his destiny, at least not the destiny that the emperor thought he had. Instead of killing Darth Vader, his father, Luke saves his father and throws the emperor down a deep shaft. Of course, one thing with Star Wars is that villains don't stay dead for long, you know. Darth Maul can get cut in half with a lightsaber, and then he shows up in the Clone Wars TV show. Boba Fett can be thrown in the Sarlacc pit, and now he's back in the Mandalorian. And the Emperor, you know, he didn't stay dead. He came back in the, in the sequel trilogy. But still, the idea of having a destiny is a common theme in movies and books and TV shows. You know, we see stories of people meeting as if by destiny and falling in love, of heroes and villains destined to fight an epic battle against each other, of detectives destined to find that one clue that allows them to solve the mystery. And the idea of having a destiny isn't foreign to Christianity either. In fact, the idea that we're born with a particular future in store for us is at the heart of the gospel, the good news from God. The question is, though, what is our destiny? And our text from Ephesians this morning speaks of destiny, or rather it speaks of predestiny, predestination, God's choice. In love he predestined us, St. Paul tells us today. Sometimes we may think that this means that everything that happens, everything that we do, is already cast in stone before it occurs. That's not actually what, what it means. We don't believe in fatalism, that every choice is already predestined for you, that what clothes you wore this morning or you know, what you ate for breakfast today, what you're going to eat for dinner is already picked out from God in advance. That's not what it means. It means something very different. But it's a confusing teaching, this teaching of predestination, and it's thrown even uh, some noted theologians for a loop. John Calvin, a Reformation-era theologian who came about a generation after Luther, was very influential in Protestant churches. In fact, most American Protestant churches are more Calvinist in their theology than Lutheran. And in Calvin's thought, the sovereignty of God and predestination was the key to theology. 
He took the idea of destiny and he put it right at the center of God's word. Calvin taught that everyone was predestined for one of two eternities, either heaven or hell. Before he made the world, God predestined an elect few to go to heaven. Everyone else is predestined to go to hell. As part of his divine plan, this is all set in stone before you were even born. There's no way out of your destiny. If you're predestined for heaven, yay, good for you. If you're predestined for hell, sorry, out of luck. It's a pretty scary teaching, especially if you happen to be one of the, uh, the, the many who are predestined to hell, according to Calvin. And it's an, a very uncertain Teaching. It doesn't leave you with any certainty of your salvation. How do you know which group you're predestined for? People who were Calvinists often saw that the way they lived their life must be evidence of their election to, to heaven, their predestination. That's why a lot of Calvinist churches focus on living a good life and focus on works like the Puritans, you know, when they first came to America focused on, on works, because that was evidence of your salvation. But since the American Revolution, Calvin's predestination theory hasn't been too popular in America. Now, many, if not most, Protestant churches today remain Calvinist in many other areas of their theology, and things like downplaying the liturgy or viewing the sacraments as only symbolic actions. But most American Protestant churches have gone the opposite way from predestination to choice. To most American Protestants, individual freedom and choice are more important than destiny. We are, after all, a country founded on the ideals of political liberty. And so many American theologians have adopted and adapted our cultural notions of freedom to the doctrine of salvation, saying that salvation is a matter of free will and free choice, just as you have free will to, to pick your uh, elected representatives, you have free will to decide to believe in Jesus or not. And your salvation is a matter of your own free will. If a person chooses to believe in Jesus as Savior, then he or she goes to heaven. Somebody denies Jesus as Savior, he or she goes to hell. There's no destiny there, no predestination. It's all up to you, your will, your decision. But actually, both of these theologies are wrong. Calvin got it wrong when he said that God predestines people to hell. And American Protestants get it wrong when they say that people can choose to believe in Jesus. The Bible's teaching of salvation is actually in the middle of these two positions. Now, while freedom and choice sound good to us Americans, there's no way that we can choose to believe in Jesus on our own. Psalm 51 tells us that all of us are sinners from the time of our conception. And sin is more than just the bad stuff we do. Sin is what we are. It's our condition. It's the condition that we're conceived and born into. We are sinful from our origins. It's what we call original sin. We are born in a state of separation from God. We are born sinful and unclean, inheriting 
the rebellion of our first parents, Adam and Eve. We are born spiritually dead, Scripture says. And just as no physically dead person can somehow come back to life on his or her own and choose to live again, so are we powerless to somehow choose spiritual life in Christ. You know, freedom and self-determination are pretty good things when it comes to politics, but they have no place in a theological system of salvation. Of course, Calvin didn't do so good either. Listen to our text again. Hear the words of God through Paul. For God, he pre-chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us to be adopted as his sons through Jesus Christ, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. There's not one ounce of fear here. There's no threat of punishment, no mention of people being destined to hell. God predestines in love, not in wrath. Predestination only goes one way in Scripture, to heaven. Scripture speaks of only one predestination, to be adopted through Jesus Christ, to be brought by God into his kingdom, into his faith, into his grace, solely by God's work. Predestination is a matter of gospel, not law. It's one of the ways the Bible teaches us about God's grace, of the fact that our salvation is solely, completely, 100% the work of God. God saves us. We don't save ourselves. God chooses us. We don't choose him. God adopted us as his children. We don't adopt ourselves as his children. God died for our sins. We can't pay that price ourselves. God will raise us from the grave. We're powerless to raise ourselves. And notice the grammar that Paul uses. He chose us. He has freely given us. It's all past tense. It's not he might choose us or he will freely give us. Paul says it's already done. God has already saved us. He has saved us through Jesus' death on the cross, through his resurrection from the grave. He has saved us through the gift of grace given to us in, in word and sacrament. But predestination isn't a scary teaching of Scripture, and it shouldn't be a confusing one either. Predestination is the teaching that God has done the work of our salvation. We don't do anything to be saved. We don't have to do good works to earn a place in heaven. We don't have to, to make a decision, answer some altar call to be saved. It's not up to us. God has done it all. And since he has done it, since he has chosen us, since he has adopted us as his children, then we know that our salvation is certain. That's the comfort of predestination. It takes away all of the uncertainty of where we go after we die. 